Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Josh Brown, it's actually Tuesday. We try and do this on a Monday, the old wind-up, wind you up for the week, all sorts of different gameplay thoughts, news thoughts, different gaming thoughts, but then we ran out of time. We had too much to do, so we had to do this first thing on a Tuesday morning. It's 9 a.m. where I am. Josh Brown, how are you doing? Well, this is it. I'm doing all right. Sometimes we wind the week up, and sometimes the week winds us up, and today, <laughs> that's definitely happened, and it definitely happened yesterday, but it's fine. We're up. We're fresh. We're having our coffee. It's all good, man. This might actually be the way to do it, to be honest. I know that none of us like the morning that much, especially on a Monday, but maybe maybe we should embrace this approach. Maybe we get the coffees in, maybe we just fire it off, hit the record button and just see what the hell happens. Maybe that's hey, just man. the way. I'm in my dressing gown all day anyway, so it doesn't <laughs> matter to me. The gown life. Um, I, probably, I probably should have said my name. I'm Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. For the wind-up, we always round up all the latest bit, um, talking points in the industry. And to be honest, it's a flat month. So me and you have kind of been going back to some old-school games, and I thought we'd do a bit of a new sandwich for this week's podcast, um, opening and ending on some big talking points, and then having a bit of stuff that we've been playing in the middle, um, because me and you have both kind of lost our mind. I've gone back to the N64, <laughs> you've gone back to the PlayStation 2, um, but we'll open and end on some news. So. So um, you were saying before recording that you wanted to talk at me about PlayStation VR 2. Now, you are the most enthusiastic VR person I know. So oh, take dude, it away. Dude, dude, dude. This is, this is the thing, right? When we were coming back to work after such an intense year of playing mm. a lot of games, talking about a lot of games, doing end-of-the-year stuff, I'd kind of come back wondering if I had lost a little bit of spark, if I had lost a little bit of the old passion for the old with video it. games. Um, because, you know, there was not much over Christmas that I um, managed to get around to, mm -hmm. and there's not much big coming out until February, right? That's when all of the games kick off with Elden Ring, Horizon, etc. Mm -hmm. However, then the news that PSVR 2 um, is happening dropped, and obviously, mm -hmm. you know, they Sony revealed all of the specs about it, and it just got me unbelievably excited. If I could have put down a pre-order deposit for that thing <laughs> at that time, I absolutely would have. I think this is the thing I'm most excited about this year because the specs Ooh. of it are insane uh -huh. and i'm a huge um advocate for vr in general but the thing is i've not even touched like the good stuff i've only had right. psvr and the fact that that first primitive in comparison to today's um kits bit of kit mm -hmm. um like won me over so much is just 
absolutely tantalizing for the that's, prospect of this follow-up that's so uh classic us because the psvr <laughs> didn't win me over i got it for no man's sky i had a lovely time opening and shutting the cockpits over and over again i thought that was great but the technology itself it was just it didn't work for me like overall it, it didn't convince me and um, to the point where you know i was playing super hot and i was trying to i think i talked to jules about this on friday because we got asked about the psvr too but mm -hmm. like when there's stuff on the ground you're trying to pick up different weapons you're trying to move through a 3d space and you're trying to just let go of the reality that you're in vr and just like you know like crouching and stuff duck shots fire back return fire like play an action game in vr and the tracking would just get so lost off and all of a sudden my arm is floating away from me slowly and yeah. whatever which is to say that um when i finally had to go on the oculus quest 2 which i think is one of the newest ones uh one of our editors dan durkin's got it um and he was like have a little go with this resident evil 4 that immediately got me going like oh this is it this is exactly what i'm supposed to be feeling and all of a sudden my yeah. brain is like overriding all my senses making me like duck stuff that's coming at me and making me not making me feel like i'm in someone else's body and i'm like losing my sense of um uh, balance and everything and it was all those things that you hear about that vr puts you in a different space that for me yeah. psvr never did well this is i mean the, like i said the psvr really was a primitive bit of kit you know like even mm. the controllers weren't custom made tracking for lights. vr <laughs> they, they, they literally just move controllers from the ps3 era like retrofitted like that mm -hmm. thing was a proof of concept kind of hobbled together by like duct tape it's like the homer simpson car you know I mean? like just sort of yeah. just make it work <laughs> yeah. we'll just try it <laughs> figure it out later it really was but it sold well enough and there mm. are still worthwhile experiences to have on the psvr you know some of my favorite gaming experiences ever came from that um machine you know mm. playing resident evil 7 in vr playing even russia blood and um, the until dawn game you know mm -hmm. there's a lot of really cool things you can do on that platform but yeah like you said it had a lot of issues and a lot of issues that stopped even me like a big advocate for it from playing it more often like mm -hmm. it lives in a cupboard right now because it's such a nightmare to set up like there's so many different wires you know you need an adapter to even use it on the ps5 mm -hmm. and thankfully the psvr2 is cutting most of that out this time around it's just a single single wire, a mm -hmm. USB-C cable, and that's all you need. You just literally that's... plug in and play in a much better way. Do you, do you think they're missing a trick with that, though? That was my initial thing where I was reading mm -hmm. down the specs and it was like, oh, it's going to have very similar tracking to like the more premium uh, headsets and everything, but it's yeah. not wireless. And I was like, that sucks because like the thing, I hate the setup side of it. I hate any setup. If I have to go up and set something up to jump into a game, like that puts me off. So I want to like, especially with VR, I want to be able yeah. to just put the headset on and it just works. I think if you still have a cable, that's still going to get in the way for a lot of people. I, I, I've i seen kind of like two schools of thought on this. Mm -hmm. One is very much what you were saying there. And the other is that like the USB cable kind of facilitates the higher, um, whatchamacallit, like the higher specs that the mm -hmm. machine actually has. Like lower you know, latency where, and higher resolution and everything. Yeah, exactly. Like lower latency, a much higher resolution. You know, you've got HDR in there. You've got mm -hmm. all this rumble feedback and stuff. And for me, wireless would, of course, be amazing, especially as it frees you up from where you um, can actually play it around your <laughs> home or whatever. Mm -hmm. But one cable in comparison to the jumble of cables that we had previously, it is to better. me, that still is a huge step up and, you know, not necessarily the end of the world mm -hmm. yeah because for me it was just that thing because the whole thing with vr that terrifies me is that i don't know someone's not broke into my house and is standing right behind me about <laughs> to you know do some things and so i don't like that and so like if you still have a cable like for me it's like you can't get fully lost in the experience because you're you're stumbling around you're maybe hitting the cable you're realizing that you're in this you're still in the real world it's like the problem that 3d had in cinemas where like the more effective it is the more you have to then recenter yourself in the world again to remind yourself <laughs> that there's not something jumping out the screen or whatever and um i think it was francis ford coppola pointed that out which i always thought was a 
good point for 3D in cinemas. But if we're going to get lost in VR stuff, then I want to get completely lost in it. I want to have the, you know, just a headset, have it wireless, just give me the wireless controllers and let me just play this thing. Um, yeah. And just, and I think I'm, I'm curious when we get there, because that is where Oculus has gone. Um, and I remember when they first announced their first wireless headset and I was like, cool, that feels like the future. Um, and I just, I'll not be getting PSVR 2 straight away. I think I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just curious whether the mainstream is there for it yet. Like obviously Sony are doubling down on it. It always, it felt like for a while, there was a whole thing where Jim Ryan was asked about it a couple of years ago. And he was like, he said something about like, oh, we'll, we'll get back to that if we ever do or something like that. It was a really vague statement. Yeah. Um, and I think we reported on it being like, they've just killed that because clearly they're not committed <laughs> to it. And then all of a sudden they're doing PSVR 2, they're doubling down, they've got Horizon Call of the Mountain and they're sort of doing more first party stuff. But um, I guess, what do you think they need to do on the game side to like kind of crack the mainstream just make more like the thing mm. about psvr was that there just weren't enough experiences for it like there were definitely a handful you know iron man vr was a fun time oh, um we had the walking dead satan sinners uh, mm. and a bunch of other like experiences across the years but nothing like regular nothing mm. that would make you get it out every couple of months or so mm. and with psvr 2 there's already a lot of games that they can port over that didn't come to the original psvr for instance mm. resident evil 4 like you mentioned there or um, half-life alex of course is the big that, one that might be a big one yeah so i think for them to hit the ground running they need to have those games that are already out at launch with the promise of new material material like um stuff like this horizon game mm. or whatever else they have from their first party you know mm. i would love to see resident evil 8 be ported over into proper vr for this mm. i think that would be incredible but yeah i just think they need more games for it and hopefully that is possible now hopefully this thing sells and with the kind of proof in the pudding uh from all of these other different headsets that are currently out there hopefully there's enough of an install base to justify spending this money on these experiences. Mm. One, one last thing I have for, for me is like, do you think that VR overall as a medium, as a collection of developers making stuff for VR have nailed down a way of moving in VR? Because I feel like for the longest time it was, well, we're doing this thing where you sort of look over there and you sort of put like, you're going to teleport to where you're going to go. And then yeah. some people start going, well, we're going to move in increments. So it's almost like Mario 64. You're moving in like, like chunks of like 40 degrees, like to turn. Yeah. And then other people were like, no, it's a one-to-one movement. And I just, I feel like we've had about four or five different approaches to just movement in VR. And I feel like that's one thing that needs to be nailed down before we can do everything else. Yeah, totally. I mean, like you said, there are so many different ways that developers do it. Now, for me, I do like the ones that give you complete freedom or as close yeah. to complete freedom as you can get. You know, like the walks and what the walking dead saints and sinners is so good because you're in this kind of small open area and mm. you're, you know, climbing at the houses, you're finding your way around these environments and that's the same as resident evil 4 as well mm-hmm. in the resident evil 4 and uh, resident evil 7 yes uh, where you have full control over your character's ability to walk but you know sometimes it makes you use a controller other times you can use it with the 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 actual you know custom made vr controllers and they mm-hmm. do kind of need to sort that out for me i do want to see a future though where vr worlds are fully you know, explorable, fully well, yeah, explorable yeah, yeah. with your um, own controllers and at your own will. I think that is, if they can nail that, that would be awesome. That's yeah, because I've long said that I'm waiting for their dual analog stick moment, and I feel like that yeah. is going to be with them um, because it's the kind of controllers that like the Vive has, that obviously the Oculus has, and now PSVR two has, which now seems to be the way that you do it. Like that is the analog sticks where you're sort of holding like almost like a um, it's like a per hand thing that wraps around your hand. It can track different fingers. It can track whether you're trying to grab stuff and things like that. And I think that's like maybe that just is the way 
to do it and the, and the, the move controller was just never going to work and the idea of like a wand controller um, was just never going to be the standard and like we're sort of we're approaching a standard like level like bar like entry wise for the price for the tech itself and then obviously the um, actual controls and stuff it's exciting stuff but I just I don't know I'm still I'm waiting for something like you said to be like to, for them to make more and them to make something where you look at it and go like I need to play that because I fundamentally can't get that anywhere else and then um, yeah. the tiny snippet they showed of Call of the Mountain which I laughed at because I was like they were like oh we're going to show you a snippet of the new game it was what three seconds literally <laughs> like it was nothing um, so much stuff is like that where it's kind of just on rails looking around how immersed are you like you're sort of cranking up the visuals and not giving us too many gameplay things whereas the thing that blew me away was Resident Evil 4 on the Oculus Quest it was all the custom animations they put into that all the different ways you can reload a gun and pick out your knife um, and like you're literally punching in your name on the typewriter to save and stuff yeah. like that and I was like if you do that then that, that gets me in way more that should get like the the, the hardcore um, the cynical gamer people in a lot more um, who aren't just you know like the whole thing about you're just strapping a TV to your face and then going from there so like I hope they do more with that stuff Totally. I mean, I, I I fully agree. I would hazard a guess. I mean, I would say, Scott Tilford, that those experiences you're describing are already out there in some form. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they and certainly. And no man's need... sky, mate. <laughs> no, no Although you can't, you can't actually I tell a lie. You can open the little the little little hatch thing and then push a yeah. button, and that ignites the thing, so you fly your ship. Listen, uh, if all be... I had to do in any VR game for nine hours straight was throw a little rubber ball up in the air and catch it <laughs> with the same hand over and over again, I would still be on this podcast saying it was the future <laughs> of gaming and it was the best thing I've ever seen. To so be honest, I'm but... easily impressed, to be fair. No, but so, yeah, that's the thing. Like At the absolute core, that's what I want. I don't want super flashy visuals that <clears throat> almost have to be on rails because they can't render the whole thing in full 3D at all times, you know, to uh, account for where you might look. It's sort of, I want something what I, that I can get immersed in. Um, and I was quite surprised just how Resident Evil, how effective Resident Evil 4 was just on ostensibly PlayStation 2 uh, graphics. So obviously it's been upscaled, yeah. um, but those character models, the world design, it, it's not Last of Us 2. Like, you know, it is still old school, but it, you, you belong there in a way that I feel... Um, all other PSVR stuff hasn't done just because of the one-to-one -one tracking and the way that it controls and all those different animations. So we'll see what <clears throat> what happens with PlayStation VR 2. Obviously, there's a, there's a whole year, there's so much stuff happening in the next few months. And I think, has PSVR 2 got a vague release date? Is it just later this um, year? The, the rumors um, are all pointing towards a drop this year, which is really mm. exciting. The rumors say it's apparently in full production, maybe for a Q2 2022 release. Mm. So hopefully by the end of the year, this thing will actually be out. Okay, I'll tell you what else is in full production, my friend. The Go Matrix, on. left, right, and center. I've, <laughs> I've I've seen such a massive cultural revival of the Matrix to the point where even the CEX adverts I'm getting before YouTube videos yeah. have two phones fighting each other as uh, Neo and uh, one of the agents. So um, <laughs> you went. Go on. <laughs> Sorry, I, just, I need to um, um, just completely ruin your life right now because, like you said, the Matrix is in this revival. Yes. I recently got the 4K and um, Blu-ray edition, Same. like I know that you did, and I was watching the Matrix one for the first time with my partner last week. Right, and yeah. we got to that bit, you know, the bit on the rooftop where Neo yes. does the dodge and Trinity's there, and she turned to me and said, "This has been ruined for me because I've seen this so many times on the CEX adverts because she hadn't oh. seen it before." So <laughs> that's that's it, CEX. Thanks for that. Ruined it. I'm going to DM your partner there. and say, "No, the CEX <laughs> should not be the authority on the cinema moments." But that is the thing when you go back to that because I hadn't seen the movie in a good few years either, even though I lived on it, having it on repeat. That was the first DVD I ever bought um, back wow. in the day. I traded my. Play 
PlayStation 1 and all my games in for, for a, one DVD uh, back in the day after I got my PS2 and it was The Matrix. And um, yeah, so I like that's the thing, going back to all those scenes, kind of realizing just how influential it was and how much of a unique identity that thing has. Like I know that a lot mm-hmm. of people at the minute have been saying that The Matrix trilogy for um, our age group was the Star Wars of our generation. I would argue it's Lord of the Rings, but whatever, they were both there. And I feel like there are, there is, or there are like um, big pockets of people who remember them. Obviously there's a mix towards the sequels, but there's a lot of people who yeah. are like almost closeted Matrix fans going like, no, there are a lot of things to love about this trilogy. And I think in the modern corporately fueled version of Hollywood, where there's safe bets left, right and center, Matrix as a trilogy is like a hell of a risky thing um, that I just love going back to. Like, yeah, you know, you can argue whatever in the pros and cons, but I love that trilogy so much. I think revisiting it's been really, really fun. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't want to sound like an old geezer, but I was watching it. And I was just thinking, like, I can't believe this was ever made. It was made. better you know in my I mean? day. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe something this inventive was ever made. And I think that's also mm. reflected in the, not to make this all about the movie, you know, we've got games to talk about, but I think that's reflected in the movie as well, yeah. where, because so much of, like, the first half is just Morpheus explaining what the film is <laughs> to the audience and Neil. Like, there's so much of that because there are so many terms, so many things that audiences just, like, weren't, you know, like, uh, shown. Well, back in 1999 or whatever. Yeah, that was one of the things, because that's the thing, like, there's been so many retrospective pieces about what a big deal it was at the time. And I remember that, I remember that big deal. And it's like, that's all the marketing was built around, you know, what is the Matrix? The, the marketing was very leading. And um, you had to go see the movie to find out what it was, which obviously was a tactic back then that like, you know, you got it like the, all the Independence Day stuff and Godzilla was just marketed on like, you know, his foot yeah. is as big as this billboard and stuff like that. But like a lot of people were just saying that like no movie had done, um, you know, like video games or coding or hacking or whatever, like believably back then, it was all like, like really weird attempts at doing it like lawnmower man or like weird vr stuff that just didn't really get it right and then matrix came along it was so fully formed it was so confident had such a unique visual style and it just flew and obviously the score was so recognizable as well and um yeah it's just i love the matrix josh i know you do as well but i love love all all things matrix but speaking of all things matrix imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I 
both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, your latest thing. We need like a little um, a segment name for um, HD Upscale Brown, where he just goes back to the, <laughs> the PlayStation 2 and revisits something that looks better than ever. How is Enter the Matrix in 2022? You know what? It's pretty decent, you know? Like, Enter the Matrix be. is yeah. actually all right. I tried to play it a few years ago, um, and it didn't. It felt too clunky, and I didn't actually enjoy <laughs> it. But going to it now in this obviously revived Matrix um, mood, this new Matrix era that we're it's all in, it, it really works. And I'm getting more out of it now as an adult than I I did when I was younger because when I was okay. younger, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I just absolutely hammered that start button to skip all of the cutscenes because no. I had a thing. I had a thing when I was younger about live action stuff in video games. That I just couldn't get over. I no hated it when they put it in the Lord of the Rings. Well, even games. though they, but they shot everything extra to be like a separate movie. I know, but if you, especially looking that. at it now on like a HD TV, like it's so small and kind oh, of like yeah. so pixelated that it's so <laughs> hard to watch. But anyway, the point is that I'm enjoying it now. I'm enjoying more about Niobe and Ghost, and mm. it's just fun to play. It's fun to have like all of the iconography in a game and more control of your character than I remembered. Like it's quite mm. a, a button intensive game and i mean that you have to like press like three different things to do like a move but when you do yeah. that move it feels very satisfying you pull off a lot more than i am um, remembered and it's just uh, it's just been a lot of fun well i remember the like the button i'm sure it's on the shoulder buttons how you strafe left and right so yes. if you want to do like yeah, a cartwheel yeah. it's like hold that and then you press like jump while that you press something else to pick up the gun while you're cartwheeling to try and do the neo move yeah you have to hold to, to do a cartwheel and shoot at the same time you have to hold um l2 to or l2 or r2 to strafe you have uh -huh. to hold l1 to put your focus bullet time mode on <laughs> and then you need to press square to do like the cartwheel itself it's just... i'm sure there's like another button to pick up the gun if you try because you know when, in the, when the second cartwheel when neo picks up yes. the gun i think yes. that was like a whole thing because i remember that was like such a glorious time like enter the matrix that like, was one of the that was some of the most i've ever looked forward to a game and i loved enter the matrix i played that thing over and over and over again and so like i love that stuff and obviously the one thing that you couldn't do was the bullet time dodge like you couldn't do the lean back and dodge bullets thing that neo does because i guess that's like yeah. his signature move and then when they did path of neo um and you get to the bit on top of the rooftop there's just a button for it so you can just do that dodge over and over again you're like running around yeah. on the roof like backwards as if you're constantly doing like a limbo <laughs> and uh, but how's it been i guess like because the the sound design the production value of end of the matrix it was just a part of that movie rollout so like does yeah, it still totally. feel pristine or oh, sorry premium now um, it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, I'm kind of surprised by how detailed the character models and the 3D environments are. I think the mm. animations in particular are kind of mind-blowing for what else was happening at the time. Like mm. I said, they're so detailed in a lot of ways. I guess it was but still often... all motion-captured and, like, all the sound effects yeah, were, totally. like... 
This, this, that's the thing. The sound of Matrix fighting is unlike anything else. Yes. Like literally yes. unlike anything else. You know, um, you know, there's that classic story of um, you McGregor going to the Star Wars set and doing the shroom and the room when you had the lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. If I was ever cast in the Matrix movie, I'd be doing the <laughs> with, the, with my legs and hands. You know, I couldn't stop myself because it's so ingrained into my brain at this point. Mm -hmm. hearing, just hearing those sounds on Enter the Matrix has been uh, such a joy. And I'll tell you this, Scott Tilford, it might be the biggest bargain of a century because I actually bought it a few years ago, like you said, so I was fishing it out of my drawer. Uh -huh. And I realized that it when I bought it, all the way back in 2014, by the way, because it had the receipt still in the box. It's been it sitting there for me eight years. Eight years. Good eight Lord. years has been sitting in my drawer. <laughs> and it only cost me 35 pence at the time. <laughs> 35 pence for an unreal time. The thing is that because um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, unless you have another uh, point to say about the Matrix, I'm gonna use this oh. as a segue uh, into HD upscaling consoles in general because I love my upscaled N64. I got it for my yes. 30th, um, and just going back to those old games with an HD upscaler so that they're as pristine as possible. Um, and I've been revisiting WWF No Mercy because <laughs> I'm back into wrestling now. I'm watching AEW. I'm watching Hangman Page doing the Buckshot Lariat. It's a good time. And so I know that's an entire other language. But point being. Yeah, there was a time when everybody was playing wrestling games, and most of it, I think, was the SmackDown series. That was the one that really took off, mainly because the PlayStation, and especially the PS2, were such big deals. And I think that, obviously, they came alongside, you know, SmackDown, just bring it, know your role, and here comes the pain. With here comes the pain being the one that everyone holds up. But yeah. there was always a contingent of people saying No Mercy is the best wrestling game of all time. And it's funny going back to it, because I immediately see why. Like, it's, it's such ah, a well-designed okay. game. It's immediately up there with Here Comes the Pain. Um, mainly because of the amount of options that you have, like the amount of different ways that you can move people around the ring. Um, I don't know if you played the old school ECW games, like Hardcore Revolution or whatever. Um, no, well, this back is the thing. Today. I, I used to like. I used to think of myself as something of a wrestling game connoisseur, but mm. really, the ones that I played to death and loved were the ones you mentioned there. You know, just bring it, and mm -hmm. here comes the pain, especially, and then into the obviously the SmackDown versus Raw mm -hmm. games. I think my last proper one was 2007. That's the last one I played to death. Though oh, I have doubled that one. Yeah, because they, they moved all the controls and it was like right analog stick for grapples. And it was like, what are you guys mm -hmm. doing? This is horrible. But <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, my thing was, yeah, it was the SmackDown series. And it was, uh, I had a couple on the Game Boy and it was like, I had WrestleMania or something on like my Game Boy Advance. But um, but that's the thing. You go back to No Mercy and I know the ECW games came after because it was on PS1. But there's an approach to wrestling games that is when it's done arcadey, when you can just do the biggest, stupidest moves, you can set up all these different cool spots and athletic over the top stunts and whatever. Um, and then not trying to be uh, more like a simulation, like the newer games are just trying to be a simulation everything's slower mm -hmm. everything is just less responsive it's all about working the crowd and whatever and it's just it's more like trying to convince you it's real and i'm just like the fun is kayfabe the fun is being yes. over the top like the, the the fun is just is pretending that it's like over the top and that they're all superheroes and whatever and uh, no mercy has a lot of those parts in that the later ecw games would have that smackdown would ditch um where you can sort of like drag a person into a specific spot you can get them into a grapple and move and stop their head off a turnbuckle and then go into another move and like you can chain stuff together in a way that I like SmackDown got away from and then slowly put back in again. But yeah. as someone who grew up on the SmackDown games, I remember every year it being a big deal, seeing if you could break the announcer's table or seeing if you could, um, you know, <laughs> yes. do things like that. No Mercy has all that stuff in. Like, I was like amazed. Um, I always have this when I go back to a really old game, just because you don't, you know, you're not caught up in the hype cycle, like, retro like you know, retrospectively, you, retroactively, you never had it. So you're just sort of playing something that's been held up as a classic. And then you sort of go in and go, okay, I wonder if this still holds up. And in No Mercy's case, just seeing what that move list could do, um, there's a bunch of stuff in there that I remember being fan demands for SmackDown 
SmackDown that took them years to implement, and um, one of them being the announcers table. And I just remember like looking it up, and there was a button to put a guy on the table, and I just did that next to the announcers table, put a dude on, and rock bottomed him through the announcers <laughs> table. And I was like, this if this was me in 1996, I think I would have exploded. Like I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> And so, like, I mean, yeah, I know that everybody who played uh, WF No Mercy, the wrestling game, back in the day knows all this. But uh, And they were probably gritting their teeth at the time, going like, well, all this yeah. stuff that you guys now want in SmackDown was always in No Mercy. Um, but I absolutely see... Oh, another thing, and um, why it was a big deal, but another thing is that they have... Um, arena entrances, like wider, mm-hmm. like camera angles showing the arena and showing the wrestler come in. PS1 didn't get that until um, well, on PS- PlayStation 2. Like SmackDown 1 and 2 yeah. had that stupid thing where wrestlers would walk in front of their uh, entrance video, and that was yeah. all we got. And we were like, oh, the technology, they can't do it. The N64 was doing it years beforehand. <laughs> this is why I feel robbed, Scottsdale, because like no. I said, the, the, I, I played wrestling games before then, but the ones on the PlayStation 1 were mm. always unimpressive for me and my brother and my cousin Ooh, when we used to try and SmackDown play SmackDown 2, brother. Uh, well, we played a lot of it, but it just it didn't quite click and didn't feel like the next level or the closest thing to the actual, you know, watching of the program mm. until it got to the PS2 games, at least for me, especially with, you know, I mean, he comes the pain was like a, a revolutionary moment of my yes. childhood. I still remember my cousin coming to my house with that game and I might as well just burn to the other wrestling well, games that I had at the time, just throw them out the window. Also, the thing is, it does tie into the Matrix because Matrix brought about the idea of 360 cameras in everything. For Tiger right, Woods yeah. had one back in the day. You could totally yes, do a 360 cam before you hit the ball. And here, here comes the pain, let you do the 360 cam during a finisher, or it would let you do that thing where you push a button and it would show the same move from three different angles so you could sort of capitalize mm-hmm. on a slam. No Mercy has that too. Has that <laughs> years beforehand. And also has a really, really cool finisher system where it's all momentum based. So you can only do your finisher after you've done a chain of moves or you've done like a few taunts or you've recovered from an injury or you're bleeding or whatever ah, so that you would like pull that, off the yeah. finisher at the best time in the match so you put the difficulty up you end up having these really cool i had like a 20 minute match as undertaker against kane there was just this full-on slobber knocker fest of going through tables and bleeding and doing slams and eventually i lost eventually but i was glad to lose because it was a hell of a thing <laughs> and uh, going through finishes and kicking out and everything else and it's just one of those things i mean one of the reasons that i'm back interesting is because AEW is doing all that old school feel better than like anyone else has for like a decade and a half and um, for me anyway and um and no mercy i think is the perfect game for that and i know that the AEW game which is coming later this year and um, providing everything is, stays on course um is apparently taking a lot of influence from no mercy i think it is exactly i think it's the same developers okay. um and apparently um what's his face uh kenny omega who's one of the wrestlers he's the head of the gaming division as well a uh, big old nerd love kenny omega he's apparently been uh like behind that saying like no mercy is one of the greatest games we should do we should just do one of them but for AEW. Yeah. Um, and flesh it out. So I'm hella excited. The tiny clip that they've shown of the AEW game um, had Jungle Boy doing a whole bunch of different chain moves. And I was like, if you can take what was in 1996 and flesh it out and speed (laughs) it up and whatever, that's going to be game of the year, Josh Brown. So what you're saying is that in 11 months time, when we're hashing out what's (laughs) going to be the game of the year 2022, Horizon Forbidden West is going to get bumped off the top 10 for the AEW wrestling game. I ain't gonna lie, I am infinitely more excited for the <laughs> AW game than I am for Horizon Forbidden West. Like, I just massively. Um, we should end on another piece of news, though, which is the overall conversation around E3. Now, I feel like E3 going away, obviously, it's been covered a few times in the last few years. There was a whole bunch of stuff about, obviously, last year's show was cancelled. Um, this year's show has also been cancelled. But one thing that came out, um, Jeff Grove, various other insiders sharing it, um, is that the ESA, the parent company who own E3, never actually secured any of the physical space that they would have potentially used anyway as of 
months ago. So it always seemed like they weren't planning on doing an E3 this year, regardless. Um, and I think that's interesting to talk about because um, so many companies, there was a big old list of the amount of companies that have pulled out of E3, re- like regardless of what the actual event is, who have also have said that they wouldn't be attending. Um, and it includes the likes of Ubisoft, EA, uh, I think it was EA, but it was definitely Ubisoft uh, and Sega and Konami and et cetera. Um, point being that all of this is just saying that E3 is ostensibly no more. It's sort of just wilted away without any real fanfare. But I feel like the way that the ESA treat E3 across the last few years, that weird like attempt at a rebrand they had a couple of years ago yeah. where it was all about social chits and monetizing FOMO and getting all the kids in and cutainment so we'd have apps yeah. when we're in the queues. Um, I feel like the writing was on the wall for a while, but what do you think of all this and what do you think of an industry that doesn't really have an E3, even though we do have Jeff Keighley's all that summer games fest and all that kind of stuff? Well, that's it. You know, E3 used to be like the biggest and often only game in town when it came mm. to that kind of period of um, showcases, you mm. know, and now we just, we the publishers have diversified in such a way that E3, even if it was happening, and it was happening the way it did 10 years ago. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't feel as big anyway. No. Because, you know, we've got Sony State of Players, we've got Nintendo Directs, we've got even EA's own thing that it does, like, at the same time as E3. That is that thing? Is EA Play? I, I think it's called remember. EA Player, but then it suddenly didn't It's another like, Madden. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going to have the developers of Star Wars just be in the crowd and say, <laughs> we're doing another one. Um yeah, but what I was saying was, uh, you know, like e- E3 has been dismantled mm-hmm. over the past few years and it's kind of like comes as no surprise that it's a slow death rather than a, a quick turn off. But with all of the publishers and developers that have pulled out anyway over the mm-hmm. past few years, that just seems to increase year on year. And we're now, for better or worse, in this era where they're kind of taking their ball home and they're doing their own thing. Like, I kind of don't like that necessarily. I like the big bombastic weekend Same. where we have everyone there. We have yeah, Super people Bowl. almost yeah, competing against each other <laughs> for headline space, but they've just sort of realized they don't need to do that. Sony can have its <laughs> weekend in March or whatever, you mm. know, and show off all of its biggest games. And then Microsoft can do it in June, in um, July or whatever, and have the exact same thing. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, I mean, you've got, like, there's a whole leak doing the rounds as of this morning that <clears throat> Sony are planning a state of play for the 3rd of February. So I guess we'll see if that comes. But yeah, one of the massive upsides of all these third-party companies or all these companies in general realizing that they don't need to fork over six-figure sums to the ESA to show yeah. their games once a year um, is that they can do either their own live streams or they can make them part of Jeff Keighley's thing, who in himself now has ostensibly two E3s. Like, we have the Summer Games first, and then we have the Game Awards later on. And obviously, you can wax, wax and win on the Game Awards because it's such a back and forward thing of advertising versus the awards themselves um, and each year he seems to go in one direction or the other um, yeah. and it's like it's trying to get that balance right but there's so much money up for grabs and I think he's largely at the center of that and Mr. Jeff Keeley can't say no to putting more adverts in his thing so I think that's the way that's going to go but yeah. that's yeah. always the thing you know if E3 goes away or largely it has gone away um, it is replaced by state of plays Nintendo Directs uh, I feel what Xbox's thing is called now XO3 or whatever it's called X insert year um, you know, there are ways to plug that gap with uh, more regular big reveals, which I am there for. But like you said, you do lose that. Oh, my God, we're waiting for this big event thing because um, it's largely only really Jeff Keighley flying that flag anymore. 
Totally, and I mean, you know, the Summer Game Fest was was good last year. Mm. I genuinely enjoyed it. I had, like, no expectations um, for what that was going to be, and I came away, like, pleasantly surprised. I'm looking mm. forward if that happens again this year. I think it has been announced, though, correctly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wrong. Keely's been tweeting, saying, like, oh, yeah, we've got 30-odds, yes. whatever's we're going to be doing announcements. Well, well, there we go. So, fortunately, there are still things to, to look forward to. But, mm. yeah, you know, I mean, E3 as an event, as a consumer event as well, I suppose, which it was definitely leaning more towards in the past few years, that does seem like it's going away not just because of the obvious covid reasons but Mm. because of just how the industry was going even pre-pandemic you know Mm -hmm. and again i can only come down to stuff that we've kind of said on this topic before and that i think it sucks to not have that bombastic weekend but also we're not really losing anything in terms of how the games are showed off and when the games are showed off because they're still going to be showed off when they're ready and sometimes that's going to be better because then we don't get these vertical slices that take the developers away from the actual development of the game and we don't have things being hopefully prematurely announced before they're ready no, that that's a massive point. That yeah, if you if you remove the vertical slice thing, which is just an industry term for you know like section of game that is polished away from the main game to like show it off to uh, like audiences and investors and stuff, and um, then maybe that does help with the overall production schedules. But it means we're going to lose all the E3 cringe. It means we'll never have stage <laughs> demos, or we'll never have like <laughs> shoutcasters or anything like that ever again. Dude, that is not true. We are never getting away from the cringe. We might not have E3, but the E3 cringe will follow us, whether it's in Summer Game Fest, whether it's in the EA Play, whether it's even in the state of play as Nintendo yeah. Directs. The cringe is an inherent part of gaming at this point, <laughs> and we will always have it, whether it's Jeff Keighley, whether it's whoever. I hope so. I hope that the, the cringe is internal. Uh, sorry, eternal. Um, and speaking of the cringe being eternal, we will catch you all next week. This has been this week's Wind Up. We hope you're suitably wound up for the week. Apologies for missing yesterday's slop. But we'll get back on it next week. We'll catch you next Monday. For now, I've been Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. Play Enter the Matrix. Do and play Path of Neo and WWF No Mercy as well. <laughs> and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>